good morning again, everyone. Thank you for joining us as we start off this Holy Week, a time that is one of the most memorable in a Christian's life in terms of the events that happen during this week that we recount, that we commemorate, um, that we experience, understanding the Passover and the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's an exciting time as a believer to reflect on those things. It's time of excitement, but at the same time, somber. You're full of joy and hope for what comes in the future, but you're also faced with the reality of your sin and the price that had to be paid for that sin. When we think about those things, there's a lot of thoughts that should be going through our minds. And today, I wanna kind of talk about a very familiar passage, but at the same time, go in a different direction with it. So if you have your Bibles, you can join me in John chapter 12 this morning. And I'm going to begin in verse 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on the donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Father, as we turn to your word this morning, I pray that we can find your truth and your hope as we make different comparisons today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So this is a familiar reading. You have that at this time of the year when we go through these types of services. Uh, you have four gospels that you can kind of choose from to see this triumphal entry to where we can reflect on the different aspects in it. And many times through the past, we go over these connections. We study the history, we see the connections of scripture, of prophecy, and we connect this to Jesus. We do these types of things every year. We can look at this scene, we're familiar with the entrance, we're familiar with the donkey, we're familiar with the palm branches, we're familiar with their shouts of Hosanna, and then how in a couple of days those shouts change to crucify him. We're familiar with these things. Today I want to take a slightly different approach and break down just one aspect and emphasize the meaning of that thing today. You know, this year what caught my eye was the palm branches. It is Palm Sunday. But have you ever asked yourself, why palm branches? I mean, why not olive branches or oak or cedar? All trees that had very prominent significance within the word of God. Why was it palm branches? If you were paying attention during the call to worship this morning, 
I read Psalm 92 to remind us of the relevant portion of that, beginning in verse 12. It says, The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. You know, as we see how God works in marvelous ways through Sunday school, through communion time, through understanding of righteousness, and the righteousness that we have is the righteousness of Christ. And as believers, we are called to flourish. What does that look like in our lives? You see, palm trees had a wonderful connection to the people of God all throughout the Bible. And the comparison here is to the righteous. And it's something that I want to explore with you this morning. Because we strive to be righteous, right? We strive to do the will of God. We strive to understand how God impacts us in our sanctification. Currently, I'm doing a Bible study on Friday mornings going through Ezekiel. And in chapters 40 and 41, it mimics what happens in 1 Kings 6 when Solomon is building the temple and he's facing those instructions. And the pillars, uh, one pillar you have etched into the pillar cherubim. The next pillar is a palm tree. Cherubim, palm tree. You know, it's like when you buy a new car and you think nobody else has this car, but as soon as you buy it, that's all you see on the road. When you look for things within the word, it just pops out at you. And as I've been studying this, it just amazes me how detailed the scripture is, how God provides in such strong ways, and how often palm trees are mentioned. There has to be a significance that perhaps we're missing. You know, you read through the whole Bible like that, and you can find uh, instances that are being used. You know, Revelation chapter 7, you have the people there that are waving the palm branches. It says, After I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It's a good reflection for us on Palm Sunday to know what our future is going to have. And that's an exciting thing. That's a hope-filled thing. I can't wait for that day. You know, and as I was reading this week, I found some different points that were kind of unique when you compared them to the palm tree. I began to study deeper, and that's one part of the job that I love. I get to ask questions like this, I get to study deeper. And I encourage you to be able to do the same thing as we go through these topics, to continue to find your answers in the Lord, to pursue him, to take the time to dig deeper. So let's start with a little bit of a background today, and then I'm going to share the points that I want to draw out with you. You know, it wasn't just the Israelites who had connections to the palm trees. Many ancient civilizations also revere the palm tree. The Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, even the Greeks and the Romans. At some level, they viewed, they viewed palm trees as a symbol for life. And the Assyrians especially connected the palm tree to life after death. Cities were named after palm trees. 
The city of Jericho is named or is known as the city of palms, according to Deuteronomy 34.3. You have the springs of Elam, which references that there are 70 palms there in Numbers 33.9. The Hebrew term is Tamar. Perhaps that's familiar to you. You have historical women who are named Tamar. You have cities around the Middle East that are named Tamar. Now, an interesting fact for you, there are over 2,700 different varieties of palm trees in the world. Most produce some sort of fruit, but not all of that fruit is edible. In this region, it would be the date palm that was most popular. It's often described as flourishing, tall, upright. Its branches were a symbol of victory. So the palm tree had an important place in the lives of the Israelites, and they literally put every part of that tree to use. The sweet fruit provided nourishing form of refreshment, and it had a long shelf life. Now, I did bring in some dates today as an object lesson. Maybe you've never had dates. Um, There are no artificial sugars, so your taste buds might not like that. But they're very nourishing, so help yourselves on the back tables after the service. The smaller leaves of the palm tree would be used for household things like baskets and mats, making rope, whereas the larger leaves were used for roofs and siding. The trunk was a source of timber that could be used for construction, and the seeds were used as food for the animal. This tree provided shelter, comfort, and food, meeting the basic needs of the people. So it's no wonder that with some of these uses, with the impressive appearance, that people held a special place for the palm tree. It was a symbol of prosperity, of righteousness, of beauty, and of victory. We see the form of victory today in our passage in John 12. As the people are waving these palm branches, welcoming their king victoriously. They're welcoming Jesus to come into the city of Jerusalem thinking that he is going to be the new king of Israel. Today, I want to look at the palm tree and see how it relates to us as Christians. Kind of diving into that uh, Psalm 92 passage, understanding how the righteous are to flourish like a palm tree. See, the palm tree is especially hardy in how it can grow in many different environments. And because it has deep tap roots, It efficiently and effectively seeks out the water table. This enables it to live a long, useful life, bearing fruit for many years. In comparison, we as Christians need to grow in all type of environments as well, establishing our roots deeply in order to be useful for the kingdom, maturing into the sweetness of his victory. So with that in mind, I want to reflect on a few of these unique qualities And relate those to our Christian faith. Because as Psalm 92 says, the righteous flourish like palm trees. So first, I wanted to address how palm trees can survive in an arid uh, environment and how they grow. You know, it's no secret in terms of when you think of an oasis, you think of seeing palm trees by an oasis. They kind of are a marker for a source of water. 
They're very, they're very efficient with the resources that they have, even if it's in a dry and harsh climate. You think of a camel and how it can survive on a little bit of water. Same thing with the idea of a palm tree. The way that it grows is very unique, though. You know, you think about the trees that we have in this area. Maybe you've tied a wire around a tree to make a clothesline or a boundary line, or you've stumbled across in the woods um, some barbed wire fence that maybe has been there for a long time to mark some lines. You know, with a normal tree, what happens is it will begin to grow around the wire so that over time, it looks like the wire is coming out of the tree. And if you're trying to chop that tree down, that's always fun for your chainsaw. But, but it's different because the bark covers a lot of imperfections. There could be rottenness and disease behind that bark. The tree can pe- appear to be just fine on the outside, but once you peel back that first le- layer, everything is exposed. Now for the palm tree, it's a little bit different because a palm tree grows from the inside out. And if you were to tie a wire around a palm tree over time, that wire would eventually snap. It wouldn't just be absorbed into the tree. It grows from the inside out. Now, what if we were to look at our relationship with Jesus in the same way? Perhaps we have the understanding that we grow from the inside out. See, our physical bodies, our outward flesh is wasting away. We can look in the mirror and we can see the wrinkles coming every year. We get up in the morning and we can feel the aches. We hear the cracks. We feel that our body is wasting away. But our hearts, our souls, our spiritual nature should be vibrant. Where we understand that we grow because we're drawing from the redemptive strength of the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us. Our spiritual bodies are constantly being renewed, flourishing and maturing, becoming more like Christ. Where we can continue to progressively grow and bear fruit for many years in Christ, even if our outer shell is perishing. You know, when you think of the Christian life, this is kind of what Jesus is teaching in a lot of his parables, where he says that you need to be born again. Jesus frequently talked about the outward appearance relationship that people would have to where they might look fine on the outside. He would address this all the time with the Pharisees, but on the inside they were rotting, they were diseased, they were not uh, doing things the way they needed to be. So Jesus took everything to a matter of the heart there is where they would find the redemptive work of Christ, where it comes from the inside, the heart, the soul. At times, we can look at our own life and we can think that we're too diseased. We're just like a diseased ash tree. You can feel like nothing matters, that we all lose hope. We can look at our life and we can see how what we're doing isn't lining up with the word of God. We see the ugliness of sin and we despair But what is our response to that when we come to church? Well, we put on our Sunday best, we put a smile on our face and say everything's fine. Even though we might be dying on the inside. See, there's a lie that's going on in this culture that we can do better, that we can work harder, and we can make ourselves righteous. It's the wrong approach. Righteousness comes from Christ and Christ alone. That is what we need to remember. And he gives life to us abundantly. It's vibrant, it's new, it's fresh, it's the living water that fills us up where we're living out his truth. 
in a very real way. And we can continue to live and thrive even through dry seasons where the Lord might feel distance, where the trials are nonstop, and where we don't know where to turn. But it's in those times that we have to tweak our perspectives to live more like the date palm tree and grow from the inside out, leaning on his power that is revitalizing every aspect of our life, not our own efforts to improve ourselves, but rather the good work that he does in us, where we're able to grow closer to him no matter the environment that we're in, if we are responsive to his leading. Yes, there is obedience that needs to happen on our part. If we're not obedient, how can we expect to be different from the world? You know, every day we have an opportunity to be obedient to the Father. And when we find ourselves in disobedience, we repent from that sin. We turn back to him and to his truth. Every day we have an opportunity to know what a joy it is to live for Christ, to grow in his ways. And it's through his presence and power, through the Holy Spirit, that we can grow in love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, goodness, kindness, and self-control. Where we're being made into his image. And this growth, it's an upward trajectory. It's not a straight line up as much as I wish it was. You're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have seasons. You're going to have harsh climates. You're going to have dryness. But through that, you're still expected to grow. You're still expected to be in the word. Even if you're not seeing that fruit, you still lean on the truth of who he is. The second point with the palm tree is that it has deep roots that can get to the water table. Palm trees have a very unique root system that can make the most of the water that is received, and they can be very efficient with that. Many palm trees will grow to be about 80 feet tall, even in the desert climates, so that their roots will have to dig deep in order to have a firm foundation to find that life-giving water. You know, and that's a simple analogy for us to think about as Christians. We should be able to see those similarities to the root structure of a palm tree and the life of a Christian. Because in the same way as believers, we have to make sure that we're we're prepared to do what needs to be done to stay connected to that source. You know, if you think about your root system and your foundation, if your roots are very shallow, it's easy for you to be toppled over. But if you dig deep into the foundation of your faith, into the person of Christ, into the word of God, then your, your foundation is firmly on him. You know, as we've been talking about the past three weeks, our culture is constantly pushing us away from God, trying to get us to do anything other than his word. We have selfishness in our hearts that are trying to do the same thing, pushing us into a spiritual wasteland to try to ban anything that's related to God, to keep us into the secular world, trying to counter anything godly from coming into our life. But you know, if we were like palm trees our roots would be diving deep into his word, into his truth, because that's where we have to have a thirst for his holiness and what his word says. A deep root structure is like a firm foundation for a tree. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount talks about foundations. In chapter seven he says, he poses the question, is your foundation built on the rock or is it built in the sand? Since we've been talking about Christian songs today, how's that song go? On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. The deep root structure shows our connection to him as our foundation, to where when the wind and the waves beat against our house, it will not crumble because we are firmly rooted in him. 
Think of tropical locations where we loved to see palm trees. I don't know how many of us want to go to the desert to see a palm tree. I love to see palm trees in Hawaii. That was just great. But you think about palm trees that are there. You think about how they're designed. You think about their root structures being so far down. Because when you have hurricane force winds that come, they're able to bend. They're able to be more flexible in those types of conditions. Because their trunks are solid and they're more mature. But here's another interesting fact about their root structures. Many times, palm trees will grow in clumps and clusters. They'll grow together. And what happens is their roots actually intertwine with one another. So that when the waves and the hurricanes and the wind come, they're not facing that storm alone. Instead, they're leaning on one another for support at the same time. Christians can do the same thing in terms of who you live your life with, who you're sharing space with, deep prayer concerns, struggles, communicating and building relationships. It's vital that we support one another with the living water so that we can withstand the dry times as well as the stormy weather of life, understanding that we are being firmly rooted in Christ. The third point for us today is that the palm tree had a very useful and fruitful life. Every part of the tree was used in biblical times. Sweet fruit provided nourishment in the form of jams, jellies, drinks, and simply the fruit itself. For a date, it is rich in vitamins B1, B2, B3, B5, A, C, fiber, calcium, iron, phosphorus, sulfur, potassium, copper, magnesium, manganese. So, I mean, it's rich in a lot of things. It's just what people would need, especially in arid environments where food scarces might be source. And it had a long shelf life. One tree could produce between 200 and 250 pounds of fruit in one year. They would begin producing fruit in the fifth year, and then well into the 90th year and beyond, the palm tree was still producing fruit. And as the tree ages, the fruit gets sweeter. Similar to our senior saints, right? I joked with Brett this week about how it's one of my desires to be a grumpy old man yelling at kids to get off my lawn. <laughs> Knowing full well that as we mature, that's not what we're called into. But instead, as Christians, our joy becomes sweeter because we understand Christ even more. We understand what we've been saved from, and we praise God for that. Our joy comes out as we mature because we understand more of who God is and what he has done. As I mentioned at the beginning, the other uses, uh, the smaller leaves were used to make household items like baskets, mats, ropes, riggings. Larger ones served to cover roofs and siding. The trunk was a source of timber for beams and the sap, from the sap they would make different spices. Seeds were ground up and used for food for the animals. Um, and then whenever you found a clump of palm trees together, you knew that there was a source of water there, that you could find water. So life-giving water to be present for our weary travelers in the desert climates. So we can see how it bears fruit and how it can be helpful in many ways. Now, how does that relate to a Christian? How does that relate to a church, to you and I here at Harvest? Well, very simply, how useful are you? Ponder that question. Start corporately. Are we making sure 
Or are we making our surrounding environment and area better by being planted right here in Minden? Or is it just a convenience for us? You know, if somebody drives by the church, do they see a clump of palm trees that promises life-giving water? Or do they see closed doors? Remembering it's not just a pastor's job to do this, it's just not one tree that stands there, but a group of trees being useful and fruitful. A cluster of fruit-bearing date palms can provide so much for the people that are around it. Individually, are we looking for ways to be resourceful? And what is it that we offer those who seek to come for life-giving water? You know, we read from John 12 today. Are you familiar with what happens in John 13? You have the Last Supper, but you also have Jesus washing the disciples' feet. He tells them to be ready and willing to go do the same because he is the example. So when we come to this body, do we come looking and ready to wash another person's feet? Are we coming to get our own feet washed? I'm not saying that we aren't both of those at different points in time in life. But how often is it just consumerism? How often is it just what I can get from a service versus what I can do to serve God, to be resourceful, to be useful? Jesus is the example and the model, and he tells his disciples to follow in his steps, to be servants. In a world that looks out for itself, a church should look different. A church should stand out. A church should be a beacon of hope and life in the same way that a cluster of date palms would be. See, the world and the culture are seeking answers to life's big problems, and they're coming up with the wrong answers in the wrong places. We have the answer in the person of Jesus. And we are right there in Revelation 7, waving our palm branches, praising the king. Just like the people in Jerusalem are waving their palm branches, welcoming the king into Jerusalem. When I look around, I see a lot of opportunities. Whether that's in ministries, whether that's in our personal life. To bring the person of Jesus to others. To carry him wherever we go. This is true for ourselves in our own life as well. To where we are to be a beacon, a light on a hill, a cluster of palm trees that, that point to the person of Jesus, that point to the life giver. As a Christian, our life needs to stand out. It needs to be noticeable. We need to be separated from this world to be helpful, to bring the source of water, the source of life to those in dire need. All of us are gifted differently. All of us have different talents. All of us have different strengths and can serve in a variety of different ministries. Ministries that should not be a competition. Because what's at stake are those who are lost. And that should matter to us because it matters to God. We're not given this building and the opportunities that we have just to enjoy them by ourselves. 
but we were given life and talents and resources to serve and minister to others, to grow and live in all kinds of climates because we are rooted deeply and firmly in him so that we can be a resource to those around us. Now obviously, none of us have arrived yet. None of us are perfected and we're still maturing in our faith. So I want, us, I want to encourage us this morning as it comes to our walks. Yes, we are still sinful and we will have times of struggle in our faith. So when that happens, we admit our errors and then we repent. We don't form a calloused heart. We don't become stubborn. We don't harden our hearts because that's how disease rots the inside of us. Instead, we humbly repent and turn back to the Lord. Stop trying to control God or to be God in your life. Stop trying to dictate what God needs to do and listen to what he wants to do to you, in you, through you, around you. I mean, I get that life is hard. I get that in a lot of different ways. This week I was wrestling with some heavy things. But even as I wrestle through those things, even if I go through hardships and trials, my mind keeps going back to Revelation 7 and the fact that I'm going to be waving palm branches before the king. What do these hardships even matter when that's concerning? In those times, when we go through those trials and hardships, it's an opportunity for us to show where our faith lies. Will we lean on him or will we go our own way? As those tests come and expose if we're trying to really rely on ourselves or if we're trusting in his word. Many times we think that we're trusting in his word. But when our feet are pressed to the fire, when we're thrown into the lion's den, what is our response actually going to be? You now this morning I wanted, us, I wanted to compare us to palm trees for a little bit so that we can be honest with ourselves to look at how or if we are growing in harsh conditions. I want us to look at our foundations, where our roots are settled, our connections to other people. You know, the connections to other people, it's not about having thousands of Facebook friends. It's about having that three to five that is around you, that you share life with, that you share accountability with. Even with the understanding of a cluster of trees, right here is your 70. You think of the springs of Elam, it had 70 palm trees. Here's your 70 right here. As we come in, we corporately worship the king. But within that 70, there's probably palm trees over there that my roots might not be connected to. But those that are right around me, they're intertwined. We're strong and we're supporting one another. And finally, I want us to reflect on how you're being resourceful to those around you. Giving others the source of life that is in you. Leading people to Jesus, our Savior, our King, and our Lord. For as Psalm 92 says, we are to declare that he is the Lord, that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. That is our purpose. That is why we praise him, because of who he is. He is the righteous one. Let's praise him as our king today. Father, as we enter this holy week, I just pray that you would allow our hearts and minds some time of reflection this week. Allow us to understand your truths, 
to understand our own selfishness and to have repentant, humble hearts. Lord, continue to draw us closer to you. Continue to allow us to understand you more and more each day. I pray for a desire and a passion um, as, as a church and as individuals. A passion to know you more. So Father, I just pray that your spirit would uh, give us wisdom and discernment this week. That you would continue to give us humble hearts as we interact with a lost and broken world. And Lord, that we can repent of our own brokenness. That we'll continue to try and rot, uh, rot our hearts and our minds. Lord, help us to flee from the enemy. Help us to resist. Help us to rebuke. And I just pray for protection. Lord, that we are putting on the armor of God each and every day because he is relentless. And he wants nothing more than to separate us from your love. Father, I thank you for the grace that we've received. We are so unworthy. But because you have given us grace, Lord, I pray that we do not squander it. Help us to be used by you to advance your kingdom forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please stand for our last song.